Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, Gabby here. This podcast is intended to educate, inspire, and support you on your personal journey towards inner peace. I'm not a psychologist or a medical doctor and do not offer any professional health or medical advice. If you are suffering from a psychological or medical condition, please seek help from a qualified health professional. If you're a regular listener of this show, you know that for the most part, I'm pretty chill. And believe it or not, that's true even when it comes to my parenting style. I'm that mom who can stay calm even during a four-year-old meltdown. Seriously. And I know that's kind of a brag, but it's something that I'm proud of. And you might be wondering, okay, Gabby, really? How do you stay calm when your kid's freaking melting down? Well, well, number one, I know I can trust the universe when the shit hits the fan. <laughs> that's period. And number two, I lean heavily on my meditation practice. I've been meditating daily for 17 and a half years. Yep, that's right. I've never skipped a day of meditation. I just haven't. And it is this practice that has helped me navigate the most stressful situations in my life. And it's also given me the ability to really lower my anxiety level. So whether you already have a meditation practice or if you've never tried it before, I want to help you cultivate that same sense of inner peace. And it comes with practice and it comes with commitment. And that's why I'm giving you my most impactful guided meditation for anxiety relief. And it's totally free. It's yours. It's a gift from me. People, it's free. So take advantage of this today. This also happens to be one of my favorite meditations. So I'm really excited to share it with you. You can download my free meditation for anxiety relief at deargabby.com anxiety. I promise you that this practice is going to really help you begin your journey toward profound inner peace. It will give you a tool for self-soothing in moments of anxiety and stress. And I just want you to use it so that you can really create that beneficial inner state of peace that can be very sustainable when you practice and you show up and you give yourself that permission to turn inward. That's deargabby.com slash anxiety. Hey there, welcome to Dear Gabby. I'm your host, Gabby Bernstein. And if you landed here, it is absolutely no accident. It means that you're ready to feel good and manifest a life beyond your wildest dreams. Let's get started. Welcome back, my friends. Welcome back. I love this episode so much because 
These amazing guests have been handpicked for this show. We have thought leaders from the world of self-development and emotional wellness. We have Lewis Howes, Jay Shetty, and Mel Robbins. And this is an episode where I've handpicked these three different conversations I've had. And I've decided to put them together so that I could let these different voices share their experience of what it means to be vulnerable. And when we hear our thought leaders sharing their vulnerable truths, it really gives us the chance to recognize that it's safe to step into our own. They are powerhouses on this show today. And each talk about how they turned their own challenges and traumas into their biggest strengths. And they also share some of their own daily practices, ways to overcome fear and judgment, and how to quiet that inner critic inside with self-compassion. So I'm really honored today to have this beautiful opportunity to share some of my favorite conversations put together in this episode. And I'm really thrilled that I have the chance to call these people my friend, that they've come on the show, and that I could pick these specific moments from their conversations and put this into this episode for you all about vulnerability. Enjoy this episode where I bring together vulnerable conversations with Jay Shetty, Lewis Howes, and Mel Robbins. Each conversation is unique and holds space for miraculous shifts that can occur with inside of you. Enjoy. Stick around to the end. It's just gorgeous. All right, guys. This is such a selfish... No small talk. There's no, no small, small talk. talk. Zero. It's called Big Talk. Dear Gabby, Big Talk. No effing small talk. Gabby, Jay and I, every time we meet, which is like every couple of weeks here in LA, we go right into the first thing we say is, I miss you. I love you, Jay. Why are we here? Right. What, what, what's the reason of this life? How can I be more spiritual? This always, and then we just speak for six hours about all these different topics and we don't know what small talk is. So <laughs> I don't know if I have six hours, but I have some time to be with you and go there. And you know, those are the only conversations I want to have. And the sort of conversation part of this show is strictly that, just going right in, going right for what's real, what's up with us, what's meaningful, what's tough. Because personally, I don't think I got any more time for small talk in general. And if I'm going to publicize a conversation, it better be deep. Okay, so here we are. I just want to open by saying that the two of you, while you may be younger than I am, are kind of like big brothers to me. And you both have very meaningful places for me in my heart. I want to acknowledge, Jay, from the moment that I met you, you were interviewing me. I was a little late for the interview. It was a Universe Has Your Back interview. My publicist was like, he's really cute. That's what she said to me. And I was like, oh, okay. And I show up and you like you have these like piercing blue eyes and you're just such a beam of light and the immediate conversation was so comfortable so natural and you made me feel so safe and i walked out of there and i was like i want to do more with that man i want to do as much as i want to collaborate with him as much as possible and i was like he's a superstar hence here you are superstar now, Lewis, it's quite the same. It was just love, friendship at first sight. And the one of the most meaningful moments in my life was shared with you. And I don't know, you know this, but I don't know how much you've heard me say it to you directly. But the day that I acknowledged publicly that I had been sexually abused as a child, which was probably one of the most difficult things I could bring out into the world, was on your show. 
And I wasn't expecting to talk about it. And the only reason I could was because of your vulnerability and your truth and how safe you made me feel. So the through line here is not just that you guys are both awesome, not that you are both amazing mentors to me, podcast mentors to me, big brothers to me, even though you're younger, but you both have this beautiful, innate ability to make people feel safe. What does it mean to you, whoever wants to start, to feel safe in your own body, to feel safe in your life? <laughs> well, <laughs> well uh, I, I was just actually with Jay last night talking about this, how for, I, I, f I feel like I've learned how to keep myself safe physically from like playing sports. I grew up not feeling safe. So I said, how do I get bigger, faster, stronger so I can feel safe when I'm walking down the street and there's someone around me, I feel like I can physically protect myself. I feel okay. like I could handle my situation or my environment. If I'm in a crowded area and something happens, I could protect or defend myself. That was something that became easy for me because it's something I knew well to do through sports. The challenging thing for me that took me a, a long time to learn, which I've talked to Jay about this many times over the last four years, was how to emotionally feel safe with myself in intimate relationships, in, not in friendships or in business relationships or in family necessarily, but more intimate relationships. And for many years of my life, I wasn't safe because I continued to abandon my inner child. I continued to abandon the five-year-old that was sexually abused, the needs that he had in the moments as an adult. And it wasn't really until recently, until early, you know, seven, eight months ago, where I learned to become emotionally safe for myself and not abandon the things that I needed to fully love myself and feel protected emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And it's, it's crazy to think that it took me 38 years to learn that healing integration process of feeling emotionally safe and intimacy. Again, physically safe, I've done that my entire life because that's what I did to protect myself originally from feeling emotionally abandoned. But the emotional safety, I, I needed to learn how to heal the memories of the past, the, those feelings, that, that experience, and really start integrating through daily practices, which was scary to do, but now feels so freeing on the other side. And this is something I talk about with Jay all the time is, was how to get to that place. And Jay, Jay really guided me in the journey as well. Well, your awareness of that is actually the first step to safety to recognize and identify, okay, my child part is activated and dissociated in these experiences. That awareness and ability to speak that truth is actually one of the most massive steps towards safety because then allows your adult part to to bring him back to safety, right? right. I'm blown away. Nice job. Nice job. Yeah, it's something I was showing Jay this last night. There's a photo on my phone of my five-year-old self, or maybe I was like six, but of that 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 child that felt unsafe. That's right. And and I have a conversation when every time I pick up my phone, I see this photo and I have a conversation with, you know, little Lewis or yep. the child that felt unsafe emotionally in an unstable environment. And I say, Hey, I'm here for you now. I've got your back. I'm doing the things that you needed then. Now I'm not going to abandon us anymore. I'm going to show up for you in a loving way. I'm going to give you the hug when you need the hug. I'm going to give you the pep talk when you need it. 
and I'm letting you know that you're emotionally and physically and spiritually safe now. I'm not abandoning you anymore. I get I'm kind of emotional just saying it to myself right now because for so long, that's what I did. I was abandoning myself in certain in situations, not every situation, but in certain situations. And it manifested in a lot of negative emotions, not feeling peace, you know, emotional suffering, whatever you want to call it. And I think it's probably why I've been on a journey for the last eight years of seeking wisdom on how to find that inner peace, because there's always a part of me that kind of had like some lingering suffering, you know, and I wasn't sure how to fully let that go. And I think, and I'm sure the rest of my life, I'll always be integrating healing because it's not a one-time event. It's a, a consistent journey, as you know, Gabby, but it just feels good to have the awareness and the tools to integrate it when I feel like a little off at times. And I just want to say one more thing before Jay goes, the biggest tool that you have now in your toolbox is your access to self energy, which you could call Big Lewis, you know, adult resourced self energy and your ability to let him step in and care for little Lewis is the key to recovery. You right. literally nailed it. It's everything because as long as you know, you can come back to Big Lewis, adult self resourced Lewis. You are never unsafe. Right. Yeah. Feels good. It's like I have a bodyguard always protecting That's my beautiful. child, you know, like physically and spiritually. Let's go, world. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I got you. I, I want to speak to more of that later, but I, I'm excited to hear from from Jay. So so what makes you feel safe, baby? Yeah, I want to thank you as well, Gabby, and thank Lewis for for doing this together. And obviously, Gabby, for reaching out and what you said was so true. I felt the same thing. And we ended up doing so many interviews together and you'd always be one call away. And, you know, I grew up at a time where I was watching you and Lewis just have such an incredible impact on the world. You guys have paved the way, you're trailblazers, you're uh, both change makers doing so much incredible work. And so I was so grateful that when you went from being people that inspired me to people that were my friends and that you were even better in person, and even more loving and kind on a call. And so I just want to say for everyone who, who wants to meet you both that I can definitely say as someone who started as a, off as a fan and now is still a fan, but your friend, I would say that, you know, both of you are just even more wonderful in person. And I'm so grateful that I get to experience that. So thank you so much. I feel safe. You said to go deep, so I'm, I'm not going to hold back. I feel safe when I'm in alignment with my divine service. So when I feel like I'm serving, when I feel that I'm surrendering to divine will or divine guidance, I feel safe when I realize that actually everything that's happening around me, that's not real. Like that's not really what's going on. It's about how I respond. It's about how I live and navigate the challenges and the stress and the pressure that comes. And what's truly real is how I serve, how I live, how I try to support others. And I do feel safety in service. I feel whenever there's uncertainty in life, whenever there are challenges in life, I gravitate towards service and seeing how I can serve myself and others with their supreme good, because I just feel that that's connect me back to my source. That's connecting me back to exactly what I'm meant to be doing. There's many ways I could protect myself or hope that I feel safe because I've 
created enough strength or wealth or support or network or all of that stuff that we all know that ultimately that all fades away. And when I looked at my friend, I recently lost my friend. He was my best friend when I was a monk. He was like a brother to me. He was still a monk when he passed away. And we only had a couple of years different. He was 35 years old when he passed away a month ago. Sorry. And no, and, and, and actually the thing was, thank you, Gabby, but also the thing was with him is that he, you know, we, we teach people how to live and he was showing me how to die. Mm -hmm. And I got to speak to him three days before he passed away, not knowing that he only had three days left. I thought maybe he had three months. And I spoke to him and he was beaming and he was laughing and he was emaciated, but I could see his teeth wide and bright. And he was just ready for what was coming. And I realized that he felt safe because he felt divine protection at that time. And that's when nothing else mattered, nothing, no one that he'd met, nothing that he'd lived, nothing that he'd accomplished or achieved, none of that made him feel safe. What made him feel safe is that he felt he had divine shelter. And so when you asked us to go deep and big, sorry, I had to dive in, but- I Don't apologize to me, yeah, so. I like it, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that, that's what it is for me. And I saw that in him. I saw that he felt safe at, the most difficult time in life. My friends, I don't know about you, but this year started with a bang. It was a big year already. It's only a few weeks in and we are going for it. And sometimes that experience of life getting really hectic and busy can be hard for me when it comes to sleep. I don't know about you, but the longer it takes to fall asleep, the more stressed out you can get, right? I hate that vicious cycle of just like lying in bed and being like, try this, try that. It's so annoying. And so recently I started using Magnesium Breakthrough, and this was a truly a life changer for me. Ever since I started adding Magnesium Breakthrough to my nightly routine, I'm able to just quiet my mind and get to sleep. And even if my kid wakes me up, I can go back to sleep more easily. I fall asleep quickly. And then I wake up feeling really refreshed, not groggy at all. Magnesium Breakthrough literally helps me wind down at the end of a stressful day. If you've tried other magnesium supplements and you've found that they have no effect on you, it's probably because they're only giving you one to two forms of magnesium. With Magnesium Breakthrough, you will get seven forms of magnesium specifically designed to help you calm your mind, fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up feeling great. It also helps improve digestion, muscle recovery, and supports healthy bone density. So nurture your mind and body with this all-natural, full-spectrum magnesium supplement. Simply go to biooptimizers.com slash DearGabby and use promo code DearGabby during checkout to save 10%. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash DearGabby. Again, that's biooptimizers.com slash DearGabby and use promo code DearGabby during checkout to save 10%. When we're vulnerable in public, it's extremely different than being vulnerable in an intimate relationship. So this is where I want to tee you up, Lewis, because I found, and we have a similar history of childhood abuse and trauma, and that trauma sending us into these very scared places, I found it much easier to be extraordinarily raw and vulnerable in front of thousands of strangers on stage than I did with my most intimate relationships. For me, I <laughs> never shared anything vulnerable for most of my life until probably 30 around there. Every time something would come up, 
especially speaking about the sexual abuse stuff, like every time something would come up where family would ask me something or a girlfriend would ask me like, why are you this way? Why do you react in this way? Why do you get angry when this happens? Why do you try to defend yourself when someone, you, you take something personally from someone? Why do you act this way? And I only gave them surface levels responses. I didn't actually like allow myself to be like, well, this happened and this happened. And that. I just never thought that was a possibility because I just thought it was weakness. You know, you never, I never saw something, a model or an example like that from peers, kids, people that I had growing up with. I don't want to say never and always, but I don't remember seeing a model like that. And in fact, when anyone shared a shred of vulnerability in terms of like peers, schoolmates, athlete, teammates, when they showed a, a little bit of vulnerability, it was almost like they were shamed and bullied and made fun of. Yeah. And so in a world where specifically me, I just wanted to belong as a kid because I didn't feel like I had many friends. I just wanted to, you know, oh, I have a few people that want to hang out with me. Great. I don't want to do anything that'll make them push me away. And so when I would witness that, I would just be like, well, I'm never going to share these things. If I'm going to get laughed at and, you know, made fun of and, and pushed out of the, the friend group or whatever. And it wasn't until I went to a workshop where I actually opened up about sexual abuse. And I remember feeling like my life is over. Like I just shared this thing, but no one knew who I was, but I felt like my life is over. This whole room is going to judge me. You know, I'm not going back in the room. It took like seven days for me to actually open up about it in this kind of emotional intelligence training. And one of the most beautiful things that happened probably in my life was I ran out of the room after talking about sexual abuse for the first time, a 30 year old man to this group of maybe 40 strangers. And I was like, I'm not going back in. And probably five minutes later, one by one, all the men in the room came out and gave me a hug and looked me in the eyes and were like, you're my hero. I trust you more than ever. Like I was, you know, I liked you before, but now I'll do whatever, anything you say, I'm here for you. And I was like, what? It, it kind of took me back because these are grown men. Most of them were older than me. They were coming up, hugging me, some of them crying. And then some of them opening up and saying, there was a guy who was like 58 years old, who was like, I've been married for 20 something years. I've got four kids. My wife and my kids don't know this happened to me when I was 11. Yeah. Another, another guy came up and said something similar. And I was just like, first off, I'm overwhelmed because I just shared something vulnerable. Then I'm hearing other men open up, which I'd never heard other men talk yeah. like this. Yeah. And I was just like, what is this? You know, what is this? Now I thought maybe this is just because we're in a safe environment and this is a workshop and People feel like they can do this, but they can't do this out in the real world, right? And I remember thinking for a, a couple of months after this, huh, like, could I actually share this with my, my family and my friends? Could they notice about me? Or would my life really be over and they'd all not want to speak to me again? And I remember working with some therapists at the time, and one, and one of them, I said, if I was going to have the courage to speak to my family about this or a friend, how would I even set up the context? How would the conversation begin? And this one therapist said, ask the question to each family member first, is there anything I could ever say or do that would make you not love me? And then wait to see how they respond. If they say yes, uh, lots of things, then maybe don't tell them, maybe they're not ready to hear it. 
But if they respond in a way that makes you feel seen and safe and open, then feel free to share. And so I did that with all of my family members, my siblings and my mom. And I called each one of them terrified and said, is there anything, you know, I've got something I want to share with you. I'm a little scared and a little nervous, but is there, before I, I share with you, is there anything that I could ever say or do that would make you not love me? And each one of them said, absolutely not. Especially my brother right away, like before I could even finish the sentence, he was like, absolutely not. And the reason he said that is because he went to prison when he was younger for four and a half years. And I think he felt a lot of shame. So he was like, I've done the worst thing, the most yeah. shameful thing in the family. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm always going to love you. I right. may be, you know, sad for you. Or I may be you know, disappointed, but I'm always going to love you. And that was what I needed to hear for me to feel safe and seen to be able to share vulnerably. And when I shared with each one of them, I did it in a private one-on-one -on -one conversation with each one of them. When I did that, it was almost like our relationship transcended to another level, each one of them, because they heard something that they'd never heard from me, like Jay was sharing. And each one of them shared something vulnerable in return. I didn't ask them to, they were just like, you know, when I was 16, something, you know, this happened to me when I was 21, I was dealing with something with this relationship and it, it made me feel super insecure and shameful about it. And we had a, a conversation, a, a give and take of vulnerable intimacy that I was like, wow, I respect you. I love you more. Like I have this deeper connection and relationship now. And the, the more that I started to implement this conversation by asking friends and going through, I, I was like, okay, my family has to love me no matter what I say, but will my friends accept me? Mm -hmm. So there's layers of like levels of fear and insecurity of like who you reveal, I guess this to. And so I started to share this with some of my closest friends. Cause I felt, I felt like I wanted my friends to know who I was and to know like the thing I was most ashamed of, because I felt like I was holding back. I felt like I was not lying necessarily, but like not revealing myself fully. Yep. And I felt like I, I just wanted people to know. And it was, I also wanted them to know, cause I was afraid. I was still afraid that if people knew, maybe they wouldn't love me. And I didn't want to live in fear anymore. So I started telling friends one by one. And then I remember saying like, okay, I feel good. My friends still love me. And, and if not stronger, my family loves me, if not stronger. And I felt like because I, I started building this platform, I was like, man, I probably need to do this because I'm afraid of what people think of me still, like my audience. And so that's when I started to talk about it more publicly because I felt like, you know, from all the boys, you know, for me growing up, I didn't see a model of a guy that looked like me yep. who was a former athlete, you know, tall Midwest guy talking about these things. Yeah. And I felt like this was an opportunity to, to hopefully help other men who felt like they could never share even with their spouse yep. for decades. Yep. So that's why I decided to do it. And it, it helped me overcome my fear and it helped me feel like more connected. <clears throat> and I've always felt since then that the, the, really the key to fulfillment in life is within the relationships you have, the relationship with yourself and other people. And the key to those fulfilling relationships is vulnerability. I just want to acknowledge your bravery to speak about it because one in four people are sexually abused, but it's very difficult for men to speak out about that kind of trauma. And it's men like you, like Dax Shepard, like Tim Ferriss, and, and having the ability to be that vulnerable 
publicly as a man is a different thing. I really want to acknowledge that because when I started telling my friends about what happened to me, I kid you not, not one of my female friends that I revealed my sexual trauma to did not have a story of their own. Not one. And, you know, of course, as I started to tell the story further and further and further, then there were some friends that, but but every friend had some experience in some way. Maybe it wasn't exactly like mine. So I find that while that's horrific, it's much more socially acceptable for a woman to come out about this stuff, particularly now. And it's also more socially acceptable for men to come out and speak up about these things now. So it's a beautiful world that we're living in that this is becoming something that is so honored and held in our society. But I just want to give you a big shout out for that bravery and acknowledge that what you've done is also given so many other men permission to speak up and tell their truth as well. So far this year, one of the most beautiful things that's come to me is a message from one of my Gabby Coaching Membership app users. The message was, Gabby, having you as a coach is the greatest thing that's happened to me. Your words and your wisdom guide me every day, and it's like having you as my coach in my pocket. Oh my God, it was so cool. I was so happy to hear this because that message of having me as your coach in your pocket was the exact intention I had for creating the Gabby Coaching Membership. I wanted it to be a place where you'd have easy access, you'd have a effortless, smooth, soothing app to really guide you through the meditations, the workshops, the coaching, the streaks, all the things that you want to keep yourself consistent. But most importantly, keep it simple. I always tell my members that if you just spend five minutes a day in the app, you have done your personal growth routine for the day. Of course, if you do more, that's excellent. But just that one small thing, listening to my voice, reading an affirmation or practicing a two-minute meditation or doing one of the workshops or listening to an audio talk, whatever it is that you need in that moment, it's there. And that one small five minutes or more a day adds up to miraculous change, miraculous change, my friends. And so here it is. It's the Gabby Coaching Membership app. It is yours for free for seven days if you want to try it, deargabby.com forward slash app. If you're already a member, I hope you are loving it. I'm getting so many beautiful reviews. We've got a 4.9 star review in the app store. This is the spot. This is where you can get Gabby anywhere, anytime. If you like my teachings, if you feel soothed by my presence through this podcast and you're hearing my voice and you're feeling connected to me and you want more of that guidance, my friends, I am so excited to give it to you. Just try it out for seven days free, deargabby.com forward slash app. And in that seven-day free onboarding, you're going to get this jump start where I'm just going to give you clear guidance and direction on how to feel shifts in one week. You're just going to want to stick around for the miracles. So go to deargabby.com forward slash app. Let me be your coach in your pocket. Enjoy every step of this with me. I love you. You will have all of it inside this beautiful app that will keep you feeling calm, soothed, secure, and supported. Go to deargabby.com forward slash app. I can't believe how long I have been just unwilling to support myself, to love myself, to believe in myself, to believe that people want to help me, to ask for support, how long I went at it alone. Yeah. How long I would look at somebody like you and be like, she's got the coolest friends. I'm not in their club. She's way smarter than me. Like literally. Right. A narrative that is, by the way, 
keeping me from reaching out and going, we should hang out sometime. Totally. Uh, The stories that we tell ourselves that Mm -hmm. isolate us from the things that we want. Yeah. It's just confounding. One of my habits for feeling more empowered in who I am is to be the non-judgmental witness of the parts of myself that have more to reveal. Mm. And I always believe that when we notice those feelings of unworthiness or triggers or any part of us that wants to be protective, that it's really a beautiful moment to just decide that there's more that we can do to shine the crystal of who we are. And so I really appreciate you here standing in the truth of this book and living and walking your talk. And then in the same breath saying, yeah, I'm still feeling some unworthiness. Totally. I realize that some of the things that I've wanted the most in my life, whether it's community or collaborating with people, or I have literally held myself back from reaching out to people or for like really creating relationships. And I can see it in friendships too. Yeah. That I'm so quick to just take my stuff and go into the corner and be like, okay, it's literally this moment. I remember being in, I must've been a sophomore in high school. And I was on the varsity tennis team. And I remember the upperclassmen having a sleepover. And there were a bunch of us who were sophomores. And I was the one sophomore who was not invited. And it just kind of hit that button and that neuropathway programming that was literally like you've done something wrong. Totally. And I feel like for a long time, that is the reality that I have allowed myself to live in. And when you tell yourself that kind of story, as you talk about all the time in your work, it starts to create its own reality. And giving yourself permission to believe that you are not only worthy, but that you also deserve to be loved and to be supported and to be yourself, your full self. Hmm. And so... Honestly, like you're, you also, I'll I'll say one other thing. You also remarked when I walked in at how amazing I look. You look really good. Yeah. (laughs) You look really good. And I'm going to be 53 this year. And Lewis House said the same thing. Trent Shelton said the same thing. Jay Shetty said the same thing when I saw him a couple days ago, all friends of ours. And what I've realized is that what you're seeing is the light. Mm Mm-hmm. And the high five habit, I am not kidding, practicing this for more than a year now, every morning, starting by staring at the woman I see in the mirror, being with her for a minute, asking myself, what does she need from me? And then sealing it with this high five before I walk into my day. It has literally silenced that critic. Like there are moments that I feel my humanity. There are moments like this that I feel like, oh my gosh, is this really happening? Are all these people like you really showing up? Is the world showing up? Are people really getting this Mm. as the messages are rolling in from people around the world about the impact of this thing? Right. So I have moments where I'm overwhelmed. But after a year of doing this, I actually don't even have to anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, so you don't even feel, it's sort of ingrained. It's ingrained. I, I when I that. see myself in the mirror, it doesn't even occur to me right. to criticize myself. Right. Because I don't even see a face or a body. I see a soul. Beautiful. So the habit, it's looking in the mirror and you're saying, what do you need right now? Well, the habit's like even cooler than that because you don't even have to say anything. 
So the reason why this works, and I want you to do it after you brush your teeth every morning. Okay. And so you're going to go into the bathroom and you're going to, you know, be brushing your teeth. And there is this disgusting, ugly habit that everybody has that I want to kick the door wide open Mm. on. And it is a habit of either ignoring the human being Mm. that you see in the mirror. 91% of women don't like how they look. 50% of human beings are uncomfortable looking at themselves in the mirror. And so ignoring yourself is a habit of self-rejection. Okay. The other thing that you may be doing is you stand in front of the mirror and you pick apart the things that you need to fix or that you don't like or that you want to change. And it's a habit. You don't even realize you're doing it. That's how this actually began for me. Mm. It was an extraordinarily low moment in April of 2020. And I woke up and just felt this weight of the world on my shoulders with every speech that had canceled because of the pandemic and the dream job, you know, getting fired from basically my dream job and feeling like, are you fucking kidding me? I have to fucking reinvent my life again. Mm. Mm. Uh, this is how my story goes. I claw our way out of a million dollars in debt after my husband's, you know, restaurant business doesn't work. I fight tooth and nail for every, I reinvent myself. I put like, what? I'm losing it all again. How am I going to pay my employees? How am I going to get my daughters whose college experience just imploded uh, through this? And they're having anxiety and anger. And I can't handle this. I'm not like, that's the state I was in. Right. So I get out of bed. I drag myself to the bathroom. I catch a glimpse in the mirror. And Gabby, the first thing I thought was, oh my God, you look like hell. Mm. Mm. And I started picking apart the dark circles and the saggy neck and everything I didn't like. And then, of course, once you go there, your mind immediately stays negative. And so now I'm like, why did you get up so late? And you got a Zoom call in eight minutes and you haven't walked the dog yet. And I'm like, boom. And that's how almost everybody starts their day by pile driving themselves into the ground. Yeah. And yeah. so what's interesting about that moment is if you had walked into the bathroom, I would have been able to say, Gabby, listen, this is terrible. You're right. You don't deserve this. You don't. It's not fair. But if anybody can handle this, it's you. Mm. I would have been able to lift you up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in that moment, I couldn't think of a thing to say, Gabby. Right. And the other thing is I wouldn't have believed it because from a vibrational standpoint, you know, you talk about energy all the time. My energy was in the toilet. Mm. So words of affirmation, a pep talk ain't working. Of course, yeah. I don't know what came over me, but for whatever reason, standing there in my underwear, I just raised my hand to the woman in the mirror because it looked like she needed a high five. Yeah. And that first morning, it wasn't like, you know, the heavens opened and the angels sang. It wasn't like a, oh my God moment, but there was something that shifted. It was weird. Like I felt this like energy shift. Yep. And my mind kind of shut off for a minute. And then I cracked a smile and laughed because it is so cheesy, the idea that you're going to actually stand in your bathroom and high five. I mean, who? Come on. Seriously. Nothing's cheesy for me, but yeah, okay. But, you know, I mean, still. And so I go on with my day, but it was the second morning where the spiritual divine nature of this cracked wide open. Beautiful. Yeah. So I woke up that second morning, same overwhelm, same lack of energy, feeling defeated by life. I five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed. I make my bed so I don't crawl back into it. I start walking to the bathroom and 
I realized I was feeling something that I had never experienced in my entire adult life. And it was this. You know when you are about to go into a cafe and you're going to have a cup of tea with a friend that you just love? Yeah. What do you feel? You're so excited. It's so fun. I mean, I feel that so deeply right now because I've been missing my friends so much. Yep. It's so thrilling. (laughs) Yeah. I felt that about seeing myself. That's gorgeous. I love that you just said that. I've never experienced Mm -hmm. looking forward or feeling excited Mm. about seeing the human being, Mel Robbins. Mm. I've looked forward to seeing my outfit Mm -hmm. or my haircut or a new color of eyeshadow, but seeing the human being, Mm. never. So as I round the corner and walk into the bathroom and I start brushing my teeth, the kind of profound nature of what was unfolding hit me. And I realized something I've never realized before. There are two human beings in the bathroom with you every morning. There's you, and there's a human being in the mirror, your soul, your spirit, and she needs you. She is trying really hard, and she's doing her best, and she has been waiting for you to wake the hell up and see her and stop criticizing her and stop focusing on what's going wrong and start reminding her of all the things that are going right, to have her back, to cheer for her. And I stumbled upon this new research that came out of Harvard that says that if you spend less than a minute in the morning as a leader, just reflecting on how you're going to show up today at work, it changes your focus, your level of productivity. It changes how you show up. It changes the impact that you can make. Hmm. And since I had just read it, for whatever reason in my mind, something clicked and I thought, well, why don't I actually apply that to myself? And so I asked myself this question that I'd never asked myself before, which is, who do I need to be for her today? And I thought, you need to be more optimistic. You need to be kinder. Mm. You need to laugh a little bit more today. And as I raised my hand, I realized I was like making a promise Mm. and sealing it with this high five. Right. And that's how it all began. Well, my friends, I hope you found this episode as beautiful and as moving as I did when I was creating it. What I've learned as a spiritual teacher and what Jay Lewis and Mel all beautifully articulated is that being vulnerable, which is not easy, my friends, but being vulnerable and owning our parts is how we build our own inner strength and how we build trust and how we can then build deep connections with others. Let their messages sink in this week. Tap into that space within yourself where you feel that truth-telling come forward, that vulnerability safe to come forward. And maybe in a conversation with a close loved one or maybe in your journal, you express something you've never shared before. And I hope you enjoyed this episode today. I'll be back next Monday with more. I love you all. And don't forget, if you want to get more Gabby, go try seven days for free of the Gabby Coaching Membership app. Go to deargabby.com forward slash app. If you made it to the end of this episode, that means you're truly committed to miracles. I'm really proud of you. If you want to get more Gabby, tune in every Monday for a new episode. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the guidance or special bonus episodes. Your experience of this show means a lot to me. So I really want to welcome you to leave an honest review. And you can follow me on social media at Gabby Bernstein. And if you want to get in on the action, sign up for a chance to be Dear Gabby live at deargabby.com. See you next week. 
Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.